welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill. This is episode 265. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. Back with me again this week is... Plots. Plots? Yeah. All right. Back with me this week is Plots. We're playing Rubik's Cube. Spoiler. We're playing... I'm a Henry. And this is Henry. When I knew we were going to play Rubik's Cube, I thought... What would be the uh, best thing I could do, and that would be to bring in a, a a master of the cube, and the only one I know is Henry. You are, is it fair to say that you are very good with the Rubik's Cube? Sure. sure. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> you've been Rubik's, you've been cubing, right? Is that, that correct? Mm-hmm. the correct term? Mm-hmm. You've been cubing for a while. Yeah. Yeah, you've never actually competed like in a competition or yeah, anything. You won't but take me to any. And coronavirus stupid. Coronavirus is stupid. The, I looked on the um, website for like the comp, and the last one was like 2019. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, maybe there'll be another one this year. After, Don't eat my pencil. After the coronas. Why, you tried to eat my pencil yesterday. Why, why do you keep thinking I'm trying to eat your pencil? Because you're a pencil monster. I'm not a pencil monster. Yeah, you are. I'm really not. This isn't even a brand pencil. <laughs> What, are you saying I have bad taste in pencils? Yeah. Well, I drink cheap wine, too, so there. All right. Well, before we get to the game this week, we have a little bit of feedback to deal with. Patron supporter, Patreon supporter, Patrick McCarthy, you know, the guy that made me play Porky's in a recent episode, 263, I believe. I think uh, it was 269. I don't think so, Henry, because that episode hasn't happened yet. In the future, it has. <laughs> yes, you're correct. Mm-hmm. So, here's what his comment was. Okay, okay, love the Porky's episode, LOL. I think it's my favorite so far. I'm a sitcom writer and have also done stand-up, and one thing I've learned is the strange truth that what's painful to you is funny to other people. Therefore, you, suffering playing Porky's, had me laughing out loud repeatedly, especially every time you said, let's get this over with, which I said a lot. If you go back and listen to 263, if you played a drinking game of me saying... Let's get this over with, or some derivative of that, you would be feeling no pain by the end of the episode. It's true. Patrick is a sitcom writer. He has written for shows like Stuck in the Middle. He's written for Stuck in the Middle. Yeah, I guess I didn't tell you that. I told Sophie. Uh, my kids were Stuck in the Middle fans. And, get this, Henry, he also wrote for Good Luck Charlie. I know, Henry is blown away. My kids were, were fans of Stuck in the Middle, but they were huge fans of Good Luck Charlie. And still, every once in a while, you still watch it, right? Yeah, so I was kind of. It was kind of fun to hear that Patrick had a hand in those shows. So that was pretty cool. I need a signed autograph of all the cast. I mean, well, we'll see if Patrick can work that out for you. Mm-hmm. Now, Patrick, as excited as we are about that, I, I'm still mad at you about making me play Porties, but uh, I'll get over it eventually. So thanks, Patrick, for the comments, and keep them coming. All right. Anyone else who wants to make a comment about the episodes we've done, the episodes we should do, the Rubik's Cube, favorite recipes, subatomic particles, subatomic particles, Mm -hmm. whatever you want to talk to us about, uh, reach out to us in one of the various ways you can do that, which we'll talk about at the end of the show. Anything else we need to cover before we get to this week's game, Henry? Plots. I'm not going to talk to people about plots. (laughs) Is there anything else we need to talk about? No. Okay. Well, this week's game is... Sure, Sir Isaac Newton unraveled the mysteries of gravity, but could he have unraveled the mysteries of Rubik's Cube? 
Three weeks ago, Judge Smith retired to her chambers with Exhibit A, Rubik's Cube. She hasn't been seen since. Warning, once you get your hands on Rubik's Cube, you may never be able to put it down. Rubik's Cube, over three billion combinations, but just one solution from Ideal. Rubik's Cube, from Atari 1982, a.k.a. Atari Video Cube. I think that's a stupid name. Well, that's why they changed it. Initially, uh, this game was an unlicensed interpretation of the Rubik's Cube puzzle, sold exclusively through the Atari Club, run by Atari, and re-released in 84... Yes. In in 84 as Rubik's Cube. So in 82, it's called Video... What did I say? Atari Video Cube. They re-release it in 84 as Uh, Rubik's Cube. Mm -hmm. So there you go. Most of us know what a Rubik's Cube is, so we don't have to spend a whole lot of time on that. For the Atari... Well, you know what? Just for fun. Henry... Assume that somebody's listening who, as odd as it is, has never seen a Rubik's Cube. How would you describe a Rubik's Cube? It's a cube made up of smaller cubes, and the cubes that that make up a big cube have colors. Okay. And what is the point of the Rubik's Cube? What are you supposed to do? To mix it up and spend two hours solving it, but not solve it. Go on YouTube, go under, don't understand the tutorial, and give up. So, to solve it, you mean you get all of the same color? On each side. Mm-hmm. Like blue, green, red, yellow, white. And if you green. go up to someone who can solve one and you say, I've gotten all five sides, but I can't get the sixth side, I don't like you. Because that's physically impossible. <laughs> not so, that. It's not physically. Now, According to a cube, it's physically, but it's impossible. The basic cube is what? Three by three, right? Mm-hmm. But there are different ones at this point, right? How many different kinds of two cubes by two, are there? three by three, four by four, five by five, six by six, seven by seven, eight by eight, nine by nine. I think there's a ten by ten. Damn. I'm pretty sure there's no eleven by eleven. That would be there's crazy. There's a thirteen by thirteen, and the big the biggest Rubik's cube in size is a thirty-three by thirty-three. Thirty-three by thirty-three. Oh, also one by one. Good grief! Which ones have you done? Three by three, two by two, and cube. Oh, there's also cube, pyraminx, megaminx, sigaminx, teraminx. Um, and there's more, but I can't remember them. Now I've also seen like triangle-shaped. Those are pyraminx puzzles. Have I, you haven't tried any of those, no. have you? Yeah. Would you want to? Yeah. Yeah. But but one by one is definitely the hardest. Now what? Wait, hold on. One by one? Yes. Cause you can't scramble it. No. And, Cause you can't scramble it or solve it. So it's always it's always gonna. It's always be, solved. Yeah, that's why it's hard to solve. <laughs> I don't think that's such a. Th- I don't think that's a thing. One by one. Mm-hmm. That's silly. You're making that up. He's gonna prove me wrong, ladies and gentlemen. That's what he likes to do. What is for the basic three by three, and then in this Atari game, we're we're really just talking about the three by three puzzle. What is what is a good time? What's what's the best time for solving a three by three? The unofficial world record for the one by one is eight minutes and fifty nine seconds. No, it's not. Let me see this. That's dumb. It's, it's an unofficial one. But it's so, a, but it's one by one. You can't. There's nothing to solve. Every side is just a solid color. At the one by one. 
but what are you supposed to do? I don't know. I don't have one. Eight minutes to do nothing? You're putting me on. No, it's Google never lies. Except if you click on Wikipedia, then that lies sometimes. Yes, that's true. anyone can put stuff on Wikipedia. Right. Don't trust it. It right. should be taken down. Why is the Q Master Con Morvin? I like Richard. Okay, well, so should we get into the, the Atari version of Rubik's Cube then? Yes. So, the Atari version of Rubik's Cube um, opens with a little backstory, a little uh, framing device for their version of the game. It's called Marvin the Cube Master. Welcome to the cubicle world of Marvin the Cube Master. Marvin can solve the Rubik's Cube puzzle in seconds flat. 33.7 seconds to be exact. Is that a good time? 33.7 seconds? Well, I got 26 seconds. Yeah, so Henry no. can... Yeah, yeah. Take that, Marvin. But Henry. I usually don't get sub 30. That's kind of hard. Take that, Marvin. He can do it in 26 seconds. Oh, no. 27, actually. 27 seconds. That's fast, meaning 33.7. But then, he's had a lot of practice. You see, puzzles are Marvin's specialty. But it was also in the 1980s, so they had, like, the terrible Rubik's Cube. Yeah. It turned terrible. I've given you my Rubik's Cube from the 80s. Why didn't you give it to you? You just kind of took it. And mm-hmm. so you, you don't like Until that I one at all. Until I got my yeah. other Cube. And you don't like that one. What's Why is that not good? Because why is it not a good turn. Rubik's Cube? Why is it hard to turn? Because my fingers cramp up from turning it because it's really hard. But why is it so hard to turn? Because there's unnecessary plastic holding it that holds it together. Though you can take that off, and then the core is terrible. So yeah. What's bad about the core? It's just too much plastic, and it's kind of old, so it also can. Tr- there may have been a little bit of a gap in in what you're hearing, uh, folks. Uh, Audacity was being weird for a second. Hopefully you didn't miss any of that. I think you were telling us that the world record is what? The first world record was 22 seconds. The world wow. record now is 3.49 seconds. 3.49 seconds. Mm-hmm. That's insane. And I'll bet Marvin would be jealous. Because you see, Marvin wasn't always a cube master. In fact, he used to live a pretty ordinary life. Every morning he made breakfast, fed his dog, Ralph, and went to work. He I want to d- get a dog named Ralph. Well, maybe someday you can. He did have a peculiar habit, though. Marvin loved everything that had to do with squares or angles. For instance, he always was sure to eat three square meals a day. He was a geometry geek. Waffles for breakfast, raviolis for lunch, and cube steaks for dinner. Marvin slept in a perfectly square bed. Every day he swam laps in a square swimming pool. And each morning as he walked to work, Marvin was sure to count the squares in the sidewalk beneath his feet. He sounds a little OCD to me. Mm-hmm. People called Marvin a blockhead. But <laughs> when they did... What? Yeah, they stole that from peanuts. I know, they kind of ripped that off. Oh, well. But it kind of fits. But when they did, he always had an answer. Looking them squarely in the eyes, Marvin would shout, Squares are important! Try playing checkers on a round checkerboard, or try using ice balls instead of ice cubes in your drinks. Actually, you it, can do that. It works it just fine. It would do the same. Yeah, it just works fine. Oh. Depend if it's like the, the, the size yeah. matters, but it's still ice. Yeah. Ice is ice is yeah, that's a dumb example. That's dumb, Marvin. Anyway, mm-hmm. he's still talking. Can you imagine going to New York to visit Madison Round Gardens? It's just not the same. It wouldn't work. And with that, he would square his shoulders and walk off. It wouldn't work. It would just sound weird. Yeah. Yes, Marvin certainly had a checkered past, but this was before the big change in his life. 
One day, while square dancing in his favorite restaurant, the one with the red checkered tablecloths, someone gave Marvin a puzzle, a cube puzzle. He played it day and night, twisting and turning it to move the colors to the proper sides. Soon he started to see cubes and squares everywhere. I think he was already kind of doing that. Mm-hmm. On the walls of his house, inside Ralph's square water dish, and even in the mirror while brushing his teeth. Wait, if he suddenly started to see squares everywhere, and he started to see a square in, a, in Ralph's square water bowl, how did he, would he have noticed that it was a square because he bought it because it was a square? I don't know, buddy. Something very strange was happening to Marvin. One morning, instead of being in his square bed, he found himself on a strange flat surface. He saw immediately that everything around him was square. He was in an entirely square world. This transformation was a mystery, but Marvin didn't really care. Marvin knew that his mission in life was to teach cubists and future cubists the best way to play the magical cube puzzle. He promised himself that he would learn how to solve the magical color cube the magical cube faster than anyone else in the world. He invites you to help him with his pledge. Alright. Oh, uh, he did. So But how fast can Marvin what how fast can Marvin solve this cube on the game? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the game the, the, when you turn on the game, you see one side of the six sided cube. Six sided multicolored cube. Each cube side has nine smaller faces colored red, blue, green, white and yellow and orange. And when you start the game, the colors on the cube are scrambled. Your task is to arrange the colors so that each side becomes one solid color. To do that, you move Marvin around the cube and have him pick up and drop colors. Each time Marvin picks up a color, he trades his color for the one he has picked up. You can then make Marvin run to another face to trade for a different color, solve the puzzle in the least amount of moves or time, or you can watch Marvin race the clock to solve the cube. You might even get some cube-solving tips. I don't get... Uh, we'll get to this part later, but I don't get why it doesn't let you go on the color that color block that you that you have. Yeah, so we'll get there. It's also really annoying. Move Marvin around the cube with your joystick. Moves up, down, right, and left in the same direction you move the joystick. Ah, imagine that. Marvin can't move on to a square of the same color. This is what you were saying, Henry. For example, if Marvin is blue, he can't run onto a blue square. If you try... A warning buzzer or beep sounds. Yeah, it also has this really annoying thing where it has one extra color piece. So you're sitting there trying to get into this one of the colors, but you can't. Yeah, we'll get there. It's kind of annoying. Use the red controller button to move, to make Marvin pick up and drop colors. Press the button once, Marvin picks up the color of the square on which he is positioned. Press the button again, and Marvin drops the color onto the same or a different square. Marvin can pick up, drop, and carry colors to any square on the cube. To start or restart the game, you press the reset switch. You'll enter the cube select mode and can select one of 50 different cubes. The colors on each cube aren't, are scrambled differently. Use your joystick to select cube number. Push up or to the left to increase the cube number by tens. Push down or to the right to increase the cube number by ones. The number you select appears on the bottom of the screen beneath the magical cube. Um, we pretty much, for the field report, Stuck with number one, cube number one. After you select the cube, start the game by pressing the red controller button. Once you're ready to go, if you if you set the difficulty, the left difficulty switch to A, a buzzer sounds each time Marvin tries to run onto a square that's the same color as he is. If you set it to B, the buzzer is a beep. Still works the same, it's just it's a beep instead of a buzzer. The right difficulty switch has no function in this game. There are 18 different game variations. Games one through ten play at normal speed. Eleven through eighteen plays at faster speed. 3, 4, 7, 8, 13, 14, 17, and 18 
are the lotto numbers, and you just won the jackpot. Sorry, just kidding. In those games, the cube is invisible, except when it's rotating to a different side. We did check that out just to see what it looked like, and it's weird. I didn't like it. It was also missing one color. And Henry was convinced that it was missing a color. It was. Games 5 through 8 and 15 through 18 are self-playing. Marvin shows you how to solve the cube in the least amount of moves or time. In these variations, all you need to do is sit back and relax. Oh, wait, you have to press the game reset switch, and the computer takes control and starts the game, and then takes over the world, we're assuming. In games 9 and 10, Marvin's movements are restricted, and he can only move in two directions, up or to the right. I hope you're taking notes on all this, guys. Odd-numbered games, 1, 3, 5, 7, 9, 11, 13, 15, and 17, because that's how odd numbers work, are scored by the number of moves and the number of colors that are swapped. Even-numbered games, get ready, 2, 4, 6, 8. Who do we appreciate? <laughs> yeah, I was going to do that. 10, 12, 14, 16, and 18 are scored by the time it takes to solve the cube. Well, I can't do anything with that. <laughs> so, the object is pretty clear, right? Get the lowest score possible. If you're playing an odd-numbered game, your score is displayed as a single like, number on the bottom of the like screen. It's like golf. Yeah, kind of. Each time Marvin crosses a new square, picks up a color, attempts to cross a square of his own color, your score, you score one point. Your score is displayed on the lower center portion of the screen beneath the cube. If you're playing an even-numbered game, a timer measures how long it takes you to finish the game. Games are measured in minutes, seconds, and tenths of a second. Oh, I forgot to show you the diagrams. Can everybody see in the back? I can't see them. All right, put that down and look at the diagrams. I can't see them. You're not in the back. You're sitting right next to me. All right. Helpful hints. Use the center square's color in selecting the color of a side. Try not to backtrack. If you pick up, if you can pick up and deposit colors on three or more sides without turning back, you'll save valuable moves and time. Watch the computer solve the cube a few times. Then try using some of the same strategies Marvin uses to complete the cube. There's one extra square of color per game. For instance, one extra square of blue. This is the part that was bugging you. This will be the last square that Marvin picks up to win the game. I guess they don't really explain why, but that's just how it works, and it drives Henry crazy. It's kind of stupid. They have a, a handy game select matrix, which you should all memorize. Here you go. Got it? Okay, there'll be a quiz later. And that is how you play Rubik's Cube, or Video Game Cube, if you like. It's Video Cube. Was it Video Cube? Yeah, it's Video Cube. Atari it? Video Cube is what yeah. it was. Atari Video Cube. All right, now that we've settled that, Let's run a promotional spot. I'm not rich or famous. I'm not a movie star, rock icon, first responder, nurse, doctor, or anybody else whom we all look up to. I'm just a schnook. Just like Bill, I love to tell stories. Unlike Bill, though, I'm not creative enough to write my own, so I just tell my own real-life stories in this book-read-by-the-author-style podcast, all about life lessons growing up, and every episode, a segment about music. Music that I love, artists that I admire, and sometimes even my own music. You can find Autobiography of a Schnook on all your favorite podcast suppliers, or you can go to schnookpodcast.com. That's S-C-H-N-O-O-K podcast.com. And I firmly believe the good goes around, and I sincerely hope that Autobiography of a Schnook proves to be some good that goes around your way. 
Gamasutra.com published an excerpt from 21 Unexpected Games to Love for the Atari VCS, talking about Atari Video Cube. In a sentence, I'm quoting here, well, first they give it accessibility score of 4 out of 5, created by an unknown developer working for GCC, published via mail order in 1982 by Atari. Quote, in a sentence, it's not a Rubik's Cube, but instead you swap individual colored squares on the cube with the one you're carrying and try to get each side all the same hue in this laid-back puzzle game. One of the best-selling toys in the 80s was a super hard puzzle that few people could complete. I did. You weren't in the 80s. Smart guy. I still completed it. Rubik's Cube was popular enough that it rain, remains well-known today in a way that Cabbage Patch Kids and Beanie Babies are not. Par, par, partly because it continues to be... Those are real toys, Henry. Cabbage, cabbage Patch Kids. Why are they going Cabbage Patch Kids but not cabbage or in a patch? <laughs> it's complicated, Henry. I'll explain it to you sometime. Twisting one around in your hands is difficult to conceive how such a thing could even be invented, let alone assembled into a thing you can own for about $12. $12? That's a lot of money back then. Atari was a fad of... Comparable size right around the same time, so combining the two seemed like a good idea. Atari had a coder from GCC, whose name does not come down to us, work on this interesting puzzle game that, despite the name and appearances, is actually not a Rubik's Cube. It's a great deal easier, and because it's rather more fun. Perhaps sensing legal trouble if it appeared on then-Cube licensee Ideal's radar, it was not sold at first on store shelves, but instead as a mail-order-only product offered in Atari's newsletter. When the VCS got a shadowy second life as a distant competitor to the Nintendo Entertainment System, some units appeared in shop at that point, possibly unsold inventory. AtariProtos.com says that it was sold with Rubik's Cube branding at this time, but I don't remember seeing it myself. I presume they are accurate. That's all from this article, by the way. They give a nice little summary of how the game works. Video GameCube didn't make it to store, store shelves back in the glory days of the console as it's one of the most Interesting cartridges available for the VCS. Interesting for being a pure game. There are no enemies, extra rules, or needless complications. It's a nice unwinding kind of puzzle, something to flip around for a few minutes. We would be remiss if we didn't spend a couple of minutes on the Rubik's Cube itself. The Rubik's Cube was invented in 1974 by a Hungarian sculptor and professor of architecture. Erno Rubik! Erno Rubik. Originally called the Magic Cube. I don't like that name. No. That doesn't sound like something I'd want to do. Rubik's Cube just sounds exotic somehow. The puzzle was licensed by Rubik to be sold by Ideal Toy Corporation in 1980. They got the, sued by a person who went to the 2x2. Two two. Yeah, we might get there in a second. Rubik's Cube won the 1980 German Game of the Year Special Award for Best Puzzle. As of January 2009, which admittedly is a long time ago, 350 million cubes have been sold worldwide. I'm sure it's millions more by now. Mm-hmm. Um, we have many of them in our own house. Making it the world's top-selling puzzled game. Widely considered to be the world's best-selling toy. On the original classic Rubik's Cube, each of the six faces was covered by nine stickers, each of which was uh, one of six solid colors. You don't like the, the original one because it has the stickers, right? No, because it didn't turn well. I didn't think you liked the stickers being on there either. In models as of 1988, white is opposite yellow, blue is opposite green, orange is opposite red, and red, white, and blue are arranged in that order in a clockwise arrangement. On early cubes, the position of the colors varied from cube to cube. An internal pivot mechanism enables each face to turn independently, thus mixing up the colors. For the puzzle to be solved, each each face must be returned to have only one color. Similar puzzles have now been produced with various numbers of sides, dimensions, and stickers, not all of them by Rubik. I think the cubes you get don't actually come from Rubik, right? No. And you use all sorts of different strategies and mathematical Mm -hmm. algorithms and whatnot, right? There's nothing mathematical in... 
Avenue, but Well, how would you describe it then? I don't know, following algorithms. Since 2003, the World Cube Association, the international governing body of the Rubik's Cube, has organized competitions worldwide and recognizes world records. I don't know, man. This Wikipedia article has a whole section about mathematics. What does it say? I'm not there yet. I'm actually looking at the history section. Um, there's all sorts of st- You should look at this Wikipedia article, people. There's all sorts of stuff in here about uh, Larry Nichols inventing a 2x2x2 two by two by two puzzle with pieces rotatable in groups. And then this Canadian patent application. And then another patent application. And you can do a deep dive into the mechanics of how this cube works, which we're not going to do here. There have been lots of imitations, not surprisingly. They have a picture of a cube fully taken apart. The one I had in the 80s, which I think is the little same one Henry has, has borrowed from me. It's pretty easy to take apart and put back together. It's not that easy. I had one. Maybe that's not the, that may not be the original one I had. But like the first one I had, it would come apart pretty easy, actually. And then go back together. The puzzle was originally advertised as having over 3 billion combinations, but only one solution. It's 43 quintillion. Depending on how combinations are counted, the actual number is significantly higher. The preceding figure is limited to permutations that could be reached solely by turning the side of the cube, sides of the cube. If one considers permutations reached through disassembly of the cube, the number becomes 12 times larger, 519 quintillion, possible arrangements of the pieces that make up the cube. But only 1 in 12 of these are actually solvable. This is because there is no sequence of moves that will swap a single pair of pieces or rotate a single corner of or edge cube. Thus, there are 12 possible sets of reachable configurations, sometimes called universes or orbits, into which the cube can be placed by dismantling and reassembling it. Does all that make sense, Henry? No. (laughs) Alright. So yeah, so that's the Rubik's Cube. Erno Rubik, the man, the legend, was born July 13, 1944, a Hungarian inventor, architect, and professor of architecture. Best known for inventing mechanical puzzles, including the Rubik's Cube, Rubik's Magic, Rubik's Magic Master Edition, and Rubik's Snake. Much of his more recent work, I don't know exactly when this article was written, but he's also done work uh, involving the promotion of science and education. Rubik is involved in several organizations such as Beyond Rubik's Cube, the Rubik Learning Initiative, and the Judith Polger Foundation, all of whose aim is to engage students in science, mathematics, and problem-solving at a young age. So there you go. All right. Well, there are countless websites devoted to solving this thing. But maybe it's a futile effort. Like, I don't know, time travel. Maybe it's better to devote ourselves to another great challenge. Right, Doc Brown? Time traveling is just too dangerous. Better that I devote myself to studying the other great history of the universe. Women. After the break, cue the cube. today for the field report to have a Rubik's Cube Grandmaster. I don't know if that's a thing, but let's just say it is. Henry's uh, agreed to help us out with the field report because whether it's two-dimensional or three-dimensional, he is way better at Rubik's Cube than me. So uh, take it away, Henry. For purposes of the field report, we're just playing game one. Basic uh, Marvin does his thing. Henry sat down a few minutes ago and played this for the first time and easily finished the puzzle. 
How does it feel to do the cube on a screen? I guess I shouldn't bother the master while he's working. I played it a little bit. It felt weird to me to do the uh, cube this way. And it's sort of annoying to have to run your guy across the screen to get to the other side of the cube. Instead of just flipping the cube over. on the Patreon who watched the uh, few recorded videos. I'm sure I'll mention this other times in the show. Uh, due to some technical issues, specifically the camera broke, uh, we're recording this field report on a cell phone, and uh, no guarantees it's going to make it to the Patreon uh, page, but uh, we'll do our best. Oh, I was telling you that, Henry. That's in the manual. There's always an extra of each color. 
that's the winning piece. So just keep doing what you're doing. I'm not entirely sure why, but that's what the manual said. Including my dopey commentary beforehand. That's five and a half minutes. Not too bad for a weird two-dimensional screen Rubik's. Uh, we'll get more of Henry's thoughts after this. Back to you in the episode. Back to you in the... What do I usually say? Back to... Thank you, Henry. Back to the studio. Hey, everyone. This is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Car by Car podcast. Do you like Atari? Of course you do. What about the 8-bit computer line? It was one of the best. Well, how about you consider joining Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review the cartridge-based games for Atari's 8-bit computer line. We also review budget games, which are mostly released only in the UK. But that's not all. We also dig up game history, share personal experiences, and perform questionable comedy. You'll get all of that, and for free, just by listening to us on either iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's xegs, the number 8, bit.com. And when you're done listening, please send us your hate mail, because we really need the feedback so we know someone is tuning in. Hey, let's take a break from you listening to me talk so that you can listen to me talk. Hell's Serial, Very Short Stories Fortified with Essential Syllables, is the new short story collection from, well, me. Every box, or book, is chock full of bite-sized stories in every genre from sci-fi to fantasy to literary fiction to cheesy spy stories and everything in between. Zombies in Love, Twisted Car Races, and the aforementioned Devilish Breakfast Food are just some of the tasty bites you'll find. Toy surprises? You bet. How about social commentary and the meaning of life? Beats a decoder ring any day. With both funny stuff and drama, Hell's Cereal gives you the marshmallows and the toasted oat flakes. Oh, and words. Lots of those, too. Pick up Hell's Cereal, very short stories fortified with essential syllables, wherever you'd like to get your books. Not cereal. Here's the thing about Rubik's Cube, or Video Cube, or whatever it's called. Henry, do we like whatever this game is called? A little bit. A little bit? All right. What's good and what's not so good? It's really annoying. Gonna have to be more specific. How is it annoying? The sound. Yeah, the beeps. And the extra piece and not being able to go on the color. All right, we'll take each one in turn. The buzzer beep thing, I don't know that really needs to be there. It is kind of annoying. I would prefer just maybe some nice little background music, something like that. And then the extra color piece, I don't, I agree with you. I don't totally understand what that means. I think if they didn't say anything about it, it just kind of would be a thing you wouldn't, really wouldn't notice. But Unless you do what I did. Yeah. So I don't really get that either. And then what was the last thing you said that you didn't like? Oh, you couldn't, you can't go on the same color. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I don't totally get that either. I think that's probably just a thing they made up to slow you down, to make it a little more challenging, is my guess. Uh, but I don't know. I like the game. The one reviewer talked about how it's just sort of this relaxing uncomplicated thing that you can just kind of do for a couple of minutes. Kind of like picking up an actual physical Rubik's Cube and messing around with it no, a little bit. No, it's not. 
<laughs> why? Because it's not. But why is it not? Because it's a 1982 Atari game. Well, I mean, relaxing, relaxing and simple in, in the context of 1982 Atari. Have you ever, had you ever before now played a version of Rubik's Cube on a computer? Yes. When? I don't know. Sometime last year. Yeah? What was it like? I don't know. It was sometime last year. <laughs> I guess it's safe to say you weren't impressed then. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I guess we'll get on to story time. It's story time on Atari Bites. Yes, it's story. Story, story, story time. With Bill. Henry. Do you have a story this week? No. Fair enough. I do. This week's story is titled, Love Cubed and Lubed. Carl tried to be a good sport, a supportive boyfriend. He really did. For the first hour or so. Vanessa, his girlfriend, had convinced Carl to attend a Puzzles and Games convention, an event devoted to role-playing games, the latest style jigsaw puzzles, and tabletop games. Vanessa loved them all. Carl... Not so much. But he loved her, or at least found it sexy when she stuck out her tongue while intently plotting strategy in Settlers of Catan, or whatever. Vanessa was particularly fascinated with the Rubik's Cube, the 1980s plastic cube made up of smaller cubes where you try to mix up the different colored squares until each side of the larger cube is a single color. It seemed pointless to Carl, but Vanessa liked it and could solve the standard Rubik's Cube. There's so many types, don't you know? In about 25 seconds. This is good, apparently. Carl didn't know for sure, but watching Vanessa do it turned him on, and if Vanessa liked cubes, Carl was game. So here Carl and Vanessa were, spending a whole Saturday at this gaming convention. Yep. Even worse, Carl was stuck in an audience with Vanessa watching a bunch of people who weren't Vanessa try to solve the cube as fast as they could in exchange for fabulous prizes. Strike that. In exchange for lame prizes, like more cubes. Carl's eyes could not have rolled harder when he learned that there is much more variety in speed cubing than the standard six-sided cube. Two by two, four by four, one by one, evidently. Even a seven by seven, whatever the hell that was. To this day, Carl isn't sure why he did it. But did it, he did. Right after an agonizing four seconds watching some sweaty dude twist around a triangle-shaped hunk of plastic, Carl suddenly stood up on his folding chair, which is not a recommended practice. Don't try that at home. I do. (laughs) <laughs> and started belting out something he called the Speed Cube Hoedown. Grab your cube, turn it round, pick any color, just not brown, blue side, yellow side, red side too, start with the color that's right for you, algorithm strategies, solve the puzzle however you please. Just make sure to use generous lube, that's the way we solve the Rubik's Cube. 2x2, two 4x4, two, four four, some even triangle. Any type you want, you can wrangle. What you want is how you go in the Rubik's Cube Hoedown, do si Hey, world record holder Yu Shang Du, I'll bet Erno Rubik never imagined you. 3.47 seconds is pretty darn fast, we all reckon. My girlfriend says no one's faster than this. I prove her wrong nightly if you get the gist. At this point, the cubing action having come to a halt, Carl was escorted out of the auditorium by a security officer who was surprised as anyone he actually has something to do at a Rubik's Cube convention. 
Vanessa dumped Carl shortly after this. From now on, she would devote her manual dexterity solely to the cube. Hi, this is 8-Bit Rocket, Jeff Fulton, from the End of the Vertical Blank Generation Atari podcast. And you are listening to the incomparable William Pepper and his wonderful stories of the game within a game on the Atari Bytes podcast. When you are done here, come visit us in the Vertical Blank. Now, back to Bill. And that's our show. Thanks to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring. You forgot to do the You weren't playing a game. All right. Hold on. Special breaking news. What game is Henry playing while we podcast about a different game, Henry? I'm reading. You're reading. Well, you're not even playing a game, doofball. It is. What are you reading? I'm seeing how much can I remember. What can you remember? I don't know. How much of what are you trying to remember? Subatomic particles. Oh, that's right. You have all sorts of notes in your notebook mm-hmm. about subatomic particles. I also want to capture an asteroid. He also wants to capture an asteroid. You know, simple boyhood things. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do with your asteroid when you capture it? I'm going to make me I'm going to make me a million a trillionaire. How are you going to do that, Henry? By mining an asteroid. What do you think? What do you think I'm going what, to do? What can you get from an asteroid? I don't know. I don't know what's on 162173 Maybe you should find that out before you go to all the expense to try and get stuff off of it. Well, China already done it, and we don't want it to end up like the race, like the space race with the Soviet Union. We want America to beat China. Because we didn't beat the Soviet Union, because the Soviet Union did the, um, put a man in the space before us, and we don't like them. That's be we also don't like them. All right, this has been the America First segment of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Back to the thank yous. Thank you to Sean Courtney for the story time theme. Thanks to at M Carp for the What Games Henry playing while we podcast podcast about a different game Thank theme. You. There's no complicated puzzle required to show your love for the podcast. Just go to Apple Podcasts and unlock a five-star review. Email the show at ataribyte2016 at gmail.com. Like the show on our Facebook page. Follow the show on Twitter at ataribytes. Or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. Also, look us up on Instagram. You can also call us, leave a voicemail at 563-265-1978. Henry and I are not going to answer the phone, but you can leave that message I'm not allowed to answer the phone. And I don't like to answer the phone. Yeah. So. I uh, also don't like to answer the phone. So leave a message and we will probably play it on the show. Check out the website, www.carnivalofgleecreations.com. You're going to find over there information, show notes, social media, all that good stuff for Atari Bytes. And for my other show, it's a podcast, Charlie Brown. You're going to find a page devoted to stuff that I've written. And links to some places that you can order those things, like Hell Serial, very short stories, fortified with essential syllables, and other things. Um, there's also pages that talk about other stuff that I've done. Uh, just all sorts of good stuff over there. You should also consider supporting the show, helping keep the lights on here in the studio, by subscribing at patreon.com. Subs- subscribers can get extra stuff. At the uh, dollar per month level, you get my gratitude. 
uh, we will definitely say thank you to you because we appreciate that. At the $2 per month level, you get uh, access to episodes early. These episodes usually come out on Sundays, pretty much always come out on Sundays. But if you are a $2 per month subscriber, you don't have to wait until Sunday. The episode is actually usually edited and ready to go earlier in the week, if the week is going okay. And, uh, and you can get the episode when it's ready. Three bucks a month gets you that, plus bonus content, like the field report. Um, every week you hear a field report on the episode, but you can also see a video of that field report if you're a $3 per month subscriber. And four bucks a month gets you all that stuff, plus you can suggest some other games for me to play on the podcast. That's how we ended up with Porky's, which makes me want to seriously reconsider that bonus level. But for now, it's still an option. Uh, Also, the other uh, bonus of being a Patreon subscriber is you can hang out with these folks who I am eternally grateful to. Michael Tyler, Jose Gazeta, Sean Courtney, M. West, Jim Goebel, and Patrick McCarthy. All right. Is there anything else we need to talk about, Henry? No. All right. We're just about out of here. All that's left is to tell you what's coming up next time on Atari Bytes. Although you sharp-eared listeners will remember that I already told you. Next week, we're going to play the prototype for Rubik's Cube 3D. Atari experimented with putting out a 3D version of the game we just played. And we're going to check that out because that's some futuristic stuff, y'all. So get ready to uh, blast into the future of three dimensions. What other podcasts will give you three dimensions, I asked you. None. That's the answer. Only here on Atari Bytes do you get all three dimensions at one time. So, until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you.